Well, good evening. We greet you in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. It is a privilege to be here again to uh, worship with you. The thing that's nice is I only have two miles to get here. And uh, another thing that's nice is it's a cold evening, but we have a warm place to worship. You know, this thing of this winter, it's cold. He led the song, I feel like traveling on, you know, but uh, in reality, you know, it's cold, but it isn't too bad. You know, think about it. It's February. We only have a couple more months, and it'll be warm. We've got to, then we'll have to worry about keeping the lawnmower in shape to keep uh, the yard mowed. But, you know, God has blessed us with many blessings. We, he's blessed us with a with a beautiful winter. And I don't know how many of you have noticed the sunrises and the sunsets. It's beautiful. And even the cold, as, as much as it, uh, I get cold, but yet I had to think, you know, how many times would I grumble if it was hot all the time? You know, I just, I can almost stand the cold better than I can the heat. But that's just me. Well, my mind has gone to, uh, to the church, and I appreciated what Kevin had shared about uh, fruits. Are we bearing fruit? And that goes along with, with what the church is. Is the church bearing fruit? And so what is the church? The church is us as individuals, so are we bearing fruit? I like how... Uh, Apostle Paul writes to the Corinthians, it says, Paul, this is Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 1, Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, and Sothenus, our brother, unto, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all, that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, this, he has wrote that to the, to the church at Corinth and to those that are sanctified in Jesus Christ, set apart. Well, as I think of, of those that are set apart, you know, Jesus had told uh, Peter, he said, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You know, uh, Jesus was building his church. He, he, um, that's what he came for. And why did he build the church? He built the church so that the gospel would go on. The gospel would continue. So what is the gospel? The gospel is the saving power of Jesus Christ. And why did he do that? Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, if it wasn't for what God has done for us by sending, sending Jesus, his son, we would perish. We would perish. And you know, so I think of the church. As I, the church has its important part. 
And it's there for each one of us, each one to take part in it. If you would like to turn to uh, Ephesians chapter 4, I'd like to draw a little out of there. Maybe while you are turning to that uh, and talking of the church, you know, Jesus said that he would build his church. You know, to build something, it means it's active. It's alive. There's something there. So I trust that this church is a church that is alive. And Christ is still building. Building the church. So if you look in in Ephesians chapter 4, it says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. You're to walk worthy of where you are called. Where are you called? As As I think of the church, I think of a lot of times we think of the leadership of the church. The leaders are called because Jesus said, you know, upon the, upon the, the, the apostles and the prophets, he's built the church. He uses the apostles and the prophets to lead the church, the ministers to lead the church. But yet, where is your calling? I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of your vocation wherewith ye are called. You know, there's something that young people a lot of times say, where am I called? What is my calling? What am I to do? And you know, I think the best thing we can do is to let Jesus be Lord of our life. And if Jesus Christ is Lord of our life, what does that mean? If someone is Lord of your life, he's going to be telling you, he's going to be running your life. He's going to be telling you what to do. And so for you to ask, it's okay. We always ask questions because we get impatient. But I think the thing is, is to be worthy, to walk worthy. Well, how do we walk worthy? It says there in verse 2, it says, With all lowliness and meekness or gentleness, long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I think that is so interesting how he, he wrote that to the church of, at Ephesus. That they need to, to walk worthy and he says with all lowliness and meekness or gentleness. And forbearing. Is there somebody in this congregation that you just have to forbear? You just have to bear? You just have to put up with them? Well, no, you're not going to say that. You're not going to say that. But, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. There are some people that just don't click with you. But, you know, that's what God is saying. We are to be forbearing. We're to be gentle. We're to be understanding of each other. To keep unity and to keep peace. Keep unity of the Spirit. You know, we think of unity as everybody has to look the same and act the same and do the same. 
If there's a unity of the Spirit, our spirits are going to be unified, and that's going to cause us to sometimes think the same, sometimes act the same, have the same goal, because the Spirit of God works within man. And if our spirit is working with him, what, we're, what our desire would be is to what the Spirit of God wants for us. But I like that endeavoring, to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit. To endeavor, you have to put forth an effort. That means there's, a, there's, a, there, there's a, an intent, you might say. It doesn't just happen. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, there is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one Lord, one Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. I think that's, uh, that's interesting is God in you all, in us all. One God, one Father, one goal we have. And then it says, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Every one of us the body of Christ, the church. It says every one of us is given grace. Grace, an unmerited favor from God. According to the measure, so does he give everyone the same gift? Does he give everyone the same amount of a gift? And does he give everyone a gift? That's what I hear and what I see sometimes is we think that, well, we don't have a gift. We aren't gifted to do that. It says that, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Every one of you have a gift. What are you doing with it? Are you bearing fruit? Are you bearing fruit? The church needs people to exercise their gifts. I often wondered as I talk on gifts, and I think, what for gift do I ever have? I'm just like everyone else. You wonder, what are you gifted with? Well, I don't know if any of you have done it or not, but have taken that uh, gift, uh, uh, the spiritual gift test, or to identify what gifts you have. And I thought that was interesting. I wasn't going to do it, and I thought, well, why not? Is it just I'm too proud to find out I don't have any gifts? 
But, you know, I thought it was interesting, and I heard different people say that's not really a thing to do to find out whether you have a gift or not, because if you, then that way you say, well, I don't have that gift, I can't do that. Gifts. Everyone has one, but God has given them a measure, given you a measure of that gift. But what are you doing with it? How do you know you have a gift if you don't do anything? I shouldn't say don't do anything, but if you don't exercise some things. And so I think of a church, the church here at Salem. I want to encourage you to use your gifts. I don't come here every Sunday. I don't know. But I want, to, I want you to know one thing, that that young man that, that led the singing this evening, I used to get cabs from his dad when he was just a little guy. And to see him using his gift of leading singing, I didn't know he was a singer. Praise God. But, you know, use your gifts, and especially you young fellows and young, young ladies, Exercise your gifts that you have gotten. Because it says in verse 8 of of Ephesians 4, Wherefore he said, Wherefore he saith, When he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. And now that he has ascended, What is it that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is is the same also that ascended up far above the heavens, above all heavens, that he might fulfill all things. Now, I'm not real sure what all the meaning of those three verses are. I have done some research on it, and it just seems like I'm going to just say it just simple. Maybe it's not my gift to understand it. But you know, that's not the way to say that. That's not the way to look at that. I believe that God, that Christ, it cost Christ his death and suffering. He descended and he ascended. He came to earth. I know they borrowed that, he borrowed that verse from, from Psalms uh, 68.18. But to think of it, though, and make it simple, it cost Christ his life, his blood for the church. And he gave gifts unto man. These gifts have given to us, are given to us. Let's go to verse 11. And he gave, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers That's what I think of the church. He has given some apostles. Well, I understand the apostles were those that have seen Christ, have been with Christ. And I don't think there's anyone in this room that has seen Christ. And that has been with Christ. But I believe we have experienced Christ through his Holy Spirit. But he said to some apostles and some prophets, prophets that have proclaimed the word of God, have prophesied of Christ's coming, have expounded the word, and some evangelists, some that go out and preach the word. 
What are your gifts? You say, well, I'm not an evangelist. I wasn't ordained as an evangelist. It's still given you to spread the word of God. But there again, he has given some a measure of gifts. And you know that. We all know that. You know that there's some people that are gifted to go out and, and just speak. It's a gift they have. It's a talent they have. It's something that maybe comes natural. But yet I believe when it comes as a spiritual gift, it comes from God. There's some of us that are talented. Some people that are talented in some things. Is that your gift? I believe there's a spiritual gift. There's something that comes from the Spirit of God. An extra unction that you have given. And I know... I have experienced that. I'm not always very sharp at saying things right at the point whenever I'm confronted with something. But I know that I have been approached at times when something came out of my mouth that it wasn't, it wasn't me. I wondered where it came from. And I believe that that was... <clears throat> God working through me. And I believe you have all experienced the same in some time or another. And if you haven't, I trust you will. He has given some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. This is what I like is pastors and teachers we look at Brother Terrell, Terrell as a pastor here at, at Salem, and Kevin and Dwayne and Owen. I'm not. I don't want to miss anyone. But pastors that care about the church, care for the flock, feed the flock. Apostle Paul says in Galatians. He says, I have birth pains for the church. He cares about the church. Apostle Paul suffered greatly for the church. And I believe that your pastors maybe not suffer, but I believe they have a desire to take care of you. But is it just them? I believe that is for each one of us. He have gave, he's given to some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. Pastors to help lead the flock, help lead the church. The church that Jesus gave his life for. He gave his life for the church. Apostle Paul, in a sense, gave his life for the church. He suffered to get the word of God out. 
And as I say that, I wonder how long our freedoms are going to be. That we can worship the Lord without being disturbed. How long will it be that we have the freedom to speak the truth of God's word? I don't know. But I feel that it's time that we prepare our people to face hard times ahead. I know I'm always a negative type of a person, but I just feel that it's something that our children need to understand that Christ gave his life for the church. Apostle Paul gave his life for the church. I don't know how many of you have a book about this thick that's called The Martyr's Mirror of people that have given their life for the gospel. I thought at one time in my life that we would never face that. And I pray to God that we will never face that. But I think that it's good that we keep in mind, in our minds, that these times could come. And what are we going to do? Are we going to be faithful? Are we going to stand for the truth of God's word? Or are we going to compromise? He says about pastors, I don't know where I got off on that, but the pastors, I believe we need to teach and need to lead the churches. But it says, and teachers. He's given someone the gift of teaching. Do we have school teachers in here? Yes, we have school teachers in here. Do we have other teachers in here? Do we have teachers? We have, he says he's given to some teachers the gift for the church. Teachers. I remember 20 some years ago when I was in the, uh, interviewed for being, for the, in the ministry, being in the ministry. And they said, you know, uh, I said, they felt, wondered how I felt about it. And I said, I have a problem. It says that he needs to be apt to teach. And I said, I don't feel like I'm a teacher. I still don't feel like I am. But yet, I believe that everyone is a teacher. You are teaching someone. Someone is looking at you. And I would encourage you as mothers and fathers, if you're not a teacher, you better start being a teacher. Teach your children. Teach your children. I say that now. Our youngest is what, 26, something like that? They're gone. 
And I just think if I could have just maybe taught them more, would life have been more easier for them? Or would they have a better understanding of God's word? Praise God, I think they're doing well. But how much better could they have done? And that's why I like to encourage you young people, young fathers and young mothers, grandfathers and grandmothers, we're never too old to teach. Teach Sunday school. How many of you grumble when you have to teach Sunday school? Or do you have to teach Sunday school? I trust there's not a soul in here that has to teach Sunday school. If you have to teach Sunday school, you've missed it. I hear that. Well, I have to teach, I have to do this, I have to do that. Don't have to. Think of what Christ did for the church. Jesus gave his life for the church. Count it a privilege that you can sit in a room and can share with brothers and sisters the word of God. Count it a privilege that you can teach the children Sunday school class. I see Brother Kenny back there. I just think of Bible school and his effort in that. I've always appreciated that, Brother Ken. I Maybe I've never told you that, but I have the privilege now. And your wife as well that helped you. Our children came here. All of them have. Teaching them. Teaching them. Why do we teach? Why do we teach? He goes on here in verse 12. It says, for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Isn't that what we want to do? For the perfecting, some say it's for the equipping of the saints. We want to, we want to teach so the work of the ministry goes on. For the edifying of the body of Christ. The church. The church is the body of Christ. So let's continue to pastor. Let's continue to evangelize. Let's continue to preach or to teach for the perfecting of the saints. You would think a saint would already be perfect, wouldn't he? Or wouldn't we? But perfecting, I believe that is something that's continual. Perfecting, continual, continuing the work. It never gets done for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Edifying, encouraging, building. Are you builders? Are you a builder in this congregation? Are you building? Are you edifying this body? Till we all come 
to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. There he adds to it, till we all come to the unity, come together. Unity of the faith. And if ever there's a time, what I was talking about earlier, about persecution. Do you know where you stand as a church? Are we unified? Are you unified? In the faith. And the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Are we like Christ? Do we understand? Do we have that knowledge of the Son of God? That's why we need teachers. Don't be like I was when I was you young men's age. Please. Learn. Read the Word of God. Study it. So that you can come to the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto a mature man, a mature person in Christ, unto the measure of the stature and the fullness of Christ. Not just being partial in Christ. Be full. Understand the fullness of Christ. That w- and for the reason of that, for the reason of having an understanding, having the knowledge, and having, having the understanding of Christ, in verse 14 it says, That we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, Do we know where we stand in Christ? I believe that's important. That's why we need pastors. We need teachers. And we need builders that the work of the ministry and that the body can be edified, encouraged. It can be built up. There can be unity so that we're not people just tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. By the slight of men and the cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. We stand firm on Jesus Christ. I believe that that is what we need to do as a a body, as a church. Be unified. Be together, that you're not seeing that this, not having a false teacher come in and take you off track. That you stand firm on the word of God. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together compacted by that which which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love
Wow, there's a whole bunch there, isn't there? Being fitly joined together. This whole body fitly joined together. You put a puzzle together. Things fit together. Can you as a people, you as a church, be fitly joined together? You're going to stand. You're going to edify. You're going to encourage one another. Be built up. So that this congregation shines in this community. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. He says there about fitly joined together, compacted by that which which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh an increase of the body unto edifying of itself in love. Every part, every one of you, everyone has a part in this congregation. I just trust that you can work together. And I don't want you to think that I heard that you weren't working together. Like Apostle Paul said, I heard that there was problems among you. No, I have not heard that. I'm here because Brother Dwayne asked me to come. And I'm happy to come and share with you encourage you, I trust it encourages you to press on faithfully. You know, the church at, at uh, Smyrna, you know, he said they have went through persecution and he says, I'd like to just turn to that. That's Revelations 2. He says there in verse 10, It says, Fear none of these things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. That's a promise God has given those that are faithful to him. And I trust that you, as a congregation here, will work together, will edify one another, that when time is over here, we can all be joined together in heaven. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, again, we thank you and praise you for your many blessings to us. Lord, thank you for your word that you have blessed us with. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that you have given to us to comfort us, to guide us. And Lord, thank you for this congregation. Thank you for each person that's here this evening. Lord, I just ask a special blessing on them, on each one. 
that they would have the desire to edify one another for your glory and for your honor and for your church that we can all together meet with you in glory. Lord, as we go from here, I just ask that you would give us strength and wisdom and courage as we face each day, as we face people around us, Help us to be a light for you and help us to bear fruit for you. We want to commit each one to you and to your care and keeping. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to turn it back over to Kevin.